Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode 119, Preseason Scouting with Preston Pittman. And I am your host and the guy who is sitting here looking out the window in the official world headquarters of the turkey hunter podcast and i am watching a squirrel who is caught in my have a heart trap in my backyard and the trap had zero bait in it so the squirrel just happened to be passing through the have a heart trap and got caught i will call that a bad day you don't want to get caught in a trap in my backyard so looks like i'll be cleaning a squirrel in a little while and we'll add one more to the squirrels in the freezer and we'll have some squirrel dumplings if i can get my wife to make some dumplings for me that'll be good she won't eat the squirrel dumplings because of the squirrel it's the only wild game i haven't been able to get her to try yet but maybe squirrel dumplings will do it who knows okay so we are now 41 days 10 hours 48 minutes and 35 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama and I just can't tell you how much it warms my heart to say we are 41 days away from opening day I mean I'm I'm stoked about it just really stoked about it so if you remember last week I asked you guys to email me the one thing the one thing you keep in your turkey vest that you won't leave home without and I got some pretty good responses from you guys, so I want to read a couple of those. The first response I got was from Mike Blackburn, and Mike was very quick to point out my error of leaving something out of the list of things I carry in my turkey vest, and he is dead on with his comment about me leaving something out. Mike Blackburn says he does not leave home without his thermosil, and... I've got to tell you, Mike, I have left home without it. In fact, about half of last turkey season, I hunted without my thermosil. And for half of that half of the turkey season that I was without it, I hated it. I just kept forgetting to put it in my vest. My Once season starts, all of my hunting stuff stays in my vehicle, except for my gun. I take that in and out of my truck. Because I don't want to go outside one day and see glass all over the ground and realize my truck has been broken into and black death is gone. I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I lost black death that way. So, 
the gun goes in and out, hunting stuff stays in the truck, and my thermos cell was on my back deck at my house. Because that summer and that fall prior, we used the thermos cell in the backyard of my house to keep the skeeters away. So, Mike, thank you for pointing that out. That definitely is worth mentioning on the show. Another great response I got was from Bruce Staley, and Bruce said that he carries a pocket-sized bite and sting kit in his vest. I think that's a wonderful idea. He said he also carries a sock for his box calls, rubber bands, and Ziploc baggies. And I'm telling you, if you don't have those three things in there, those are three good things to have in your vest, and they don't add a lot of weight to your vest or a lot of bulk either. So three good things to keep in there along with that pocket-sized bite and sting kit. Great suggestion, Bruce. Thank you, Mike, for your suggestion as well, or I should say your reminder as well. I really appreciate that, guys. And, you know, since the first of the year, I've been asking you guys to go online and complete the Turkey Hunter podcast listener survey for me. And many of you have done that, and I'm very appreciative of that. I want to kind of breeze through the the results of the survey. Now, just so you know, I am not going to take the survey down. I'm going to leave it up for a while longer, just because it never hurts to have more results. It gives you a little bit better representation of the real world. So I'm going to breeze through this because I've got a great interview for you guys, and I want to get into that, but I want to let you know that I'm paying attention to what you guys are telling me, and I want to bring you what you want. I want to know who you are, and I want to know what you want. And that is why I've asked you to send me show topics, and I've asked you to do the survey online. I'm sitting here rambling. So question number one in the survey, how long have you been turkey hunting? 17% of you guys listening to this show have been turkey hunting for less than one year. 26% have been turkey hunting for one to three years. 18% rounded up. 19% have been turkey hunting for three to five years. 9% of you have been turkey hunting for five to 10 years. 21% of you have been turkey hunting from 10 to 20 years. And seven rounded up. 8% of you guys have been turkey hunting for 20 plus years. And if you're doing math on that, because I am rounding, you may end up with 98 or you may end up with 102, but you get the idea. That's what we're going for. Question number two, approximately how many turkeys have you killed while turkey hunting? Okay, this, the answers to this question really do tell me a lot. So 28% of the listeners to the show have killed zero turkeys. I'm not knocking you. Like I said, You know, there's 17% of you that have been hunting for less than a year. I turkey hunted for a while before I killed my first one, so no knock there at all. It is, this sport has a huge learning curve, and that is why I do this show, is to help you guys climb that learning curve quicker. Okay, the number of you who have killed, okay, so 43% of you have killed one to five turkeys. So let's look at this. That is 71, if we round it up, say 72% of you guys listening to the show have killed fewer than five turkeys. That is great information for me to know. 8% of you have killed 6 to 10 turkeys. 4% of you have killed 16 to 20 turkeys. 15% of you have killed 21 to 50 turkeys. 
and 2% of you have killed 51 to 100 turkeys. Question number three, which type of land do you hunt most often? 36% of you hunt state land most often. 15% of you hunt federal land most often. 38% of you hunt family, friend, or personally owned property most often. And 11% of you hunt leased or club, hunting club property most often. Question number four, I believe I need to learn more about blank to become a better turkey hunter. All right, so I threw options out there, and then you guys who did the survey had a chance to put your own responses in as well. So the options that I put in were scouting, and 25% of you said you wanted to learn more about scouting. Calling, 19% of you said you wanted to learn more about calling. 4% of you said you need to learn more about woodsmanship. 25% of you said you need to learn more about patterns and habits of wild turkeys. And 21% of you said you need to know more about hunting public land. Okay, so 8% of you did other. And when you select other, you get the option of putting in what you want to learn more about. So I'm going to read these real quick. One of you guys said, I put other to choose two, scouting and hunting public land. Another says mouth calls. Another says out-of-state hunting. And one other says patterns and habits of wild turkeys, scouting, calling, hunting public land. So basically all of them. That's good info for me as well because I, that tells me where I need to be focusing on these show topics to bring you guys information that you can learn from that will make you better. Okay, question five. What is the single biggest struggle you have with filling your turkey tags each season? I'm going to tell you that of the people who answered this question and the, and the majority of the people who did the survey did answer this question, the overwhelming response was time. Time is a single biggest struggle that we have in filling our turkey tags each season. I think we all struggle with that. So we need to talk about ways that we can fit turkey hunting into our schedules. I'm not going to go through and read every one of these responses because there's too many of them, but I'm going to just scroll through and pick a couple. Calling them in, land access, hunter pressure on public access, finding access to land with turkeys. I mean, Time, time, time. <laughs> There's a lot of them that are time. Crowded hunting areas, pressured birds, calling them in, calling. So again, that was a huge help to me to have you guys answer that question and tell me what you need to be better. Question six, how long have you been listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast? So less than six months. So 25% of you guys have been listening for less than six months. 26% of you have been listening for 6 to 12 months, 38% of you for 12 to 24 months, and 11% of you 24 to 36 months. How often do you listen? The overwhelming majority of you guys listen weekly. Now, I think because of when this survey came out, being at the first of the year, that we haven't gotten a lot of our binge listeners in here to do the survey yet. I do want to hear from you binge listeners, and I, I'm not labeling you in a bad way by any means. The binge listeners are the listeners who don't listen every week, but when turkey season gets close, they'll go back and listen to a year of episodes or maybe every single episode, and they'll listen to that over a two or three or four month period. I do want to hear from you guys, but again, the overwhelming majority of the people who've completed the survey are weekly listeners, and I thank you much for that. Okay, so question eight, how many episodes of the Turkey Hunter podcast have you listened to so far? 
32% of you guys have listened to all of them, some of them multiple times. I am very appreciative of that. I'm not going to read through the rest of the answers because they're not as high as the people who have listened to them all. And that question is not going to help you be a better turkey hunter. So we're not going to worry with that one. Okay, question nine. Rate the show on a scale of one to ten with one being bad and ten being awesome. So let's see. Let me do some quick math here. 77% of you guys gave it a 9 or a 10. I had one person give it a 6, four people give it a 7, seven people give it an 8. So we have roughly 21, 22, 23% of you gave it between a 6 and an 8. All right, now that question tells me a little bit, but doesn't tell me a lot. So if you didn't answer 10 in the previous question, name one thing that would help to improve the show. All right, overwhelmingly. Sound quality, sound quality, sound quality, sound quality, audio quality, sound quality. I get it. Bring them. Keep, if you've got any kind of comments, keep putting them in here. Again, if you want to fill out the survey and you want to give your two cents about what I can do to make this show better, please tell me. If it's audio quality, put it in there again. I don't care. I do know that we've had some issues with audio on several of these episodes, and these issues I am still working through, but I think we've made some huge leaps in the right direction with this, and I hope over the past couple of episodes that you guys will agree with that statement. So, all right, again, thank you guys for filling out the survey. As far as what I'm going to do in reading results on the show, that's it. I wanted to kind of let you guys know what it is that I am seeing that you want. I want you to know that I'm starting to bring you more of what you want. That is the purpose. This show is your show. With all of that said, let's get into today's interview. Now, based on this awesome info that I've gotten from the survey from you guys, I know that you want to learn more about finding turkeys. And I know that to find turkeys on our hunting properties, we need to spend time looking for turkeys on our hunting property which means we need to do some and hopefully a lot of preseason scouting. And we can do our preseason scouting the right way or we can do it the wrong way. So what is the difference, you ask? Well, so on today's show, I have the one and only Preston Pittman on the show to share his knowledge of preseason scouting for wild turkeys. And I'm pretty sure you guys know Preston from earlier episodes of the show, like episode 74, How Weather Affects Wild Turkeys, which, by the way, we're talking about poor audio quality. We had some on that show, but that content in that show, if you can stand the poor audio quality on that show, you're going to pull away so much content, so much knowledge that's going to make you a better turkey hunter. I'm telling you, that's one of my favorite episodes right there. Episode 35, How to Care for Your Turkey Calls. We spend a ton of money on our turkey calls each year and over our lifetimes, so why not take care of those so we can get more bang for our buck? Preston's an expert on that. Preston's an expert of turkey. Preston's just an expert on turkey hunting, period. But if you don't know Preston, he's the founder of Pittman Game Calls and Longleaf Camo, and I mean, seriously, there's just too many accolades for this guy and too many calling championships to mention. And there are so many people within the hunting industry that will tell you that the one human being on the face of the earth that thinks the most like a wild turkey 
that acts the most like a wild turkey, that looks the most like a wild turkey, and that sounds the most like a wild turkey and probably is one half wild turkey is Preston Pittman. So without further delay, here's our interview with Preston Pittman. Hey, before I start it, grab a pen, grab some paper, take some notes, listen closely, enjoy it, and I'll see you guys on the other side. Hey, everybody. I am glad to tell you that I have on the line today a repeat guest. I think Preston Pittman has been on the show with us two or three or four times already, and I always like getting Preston on the phone because we get way more than we bargain for with Preston, and that's a good thing when it comes to knowledge of wild turkeys. And so today, I'm going to pick Preston's brain about preseason scouting. And Preston, what you... only thing I can tell you right now, buddy, is you ain't got a whole bunch to pick is all I know. <laughs> well, all right, so we'll, I'll, I'll come back to you this way. The wild turkey doesn't have much brain to pick either, but there's what little bits there is chock full of information. So <laughs> I'll put you in the same boat with that then, since you don't think it's very big. I'll take it. I'll disagree with what you said, but we'll just run with it that way. <laughs> so you may or may not know, Preston, that I've around the end of the year, first of this year, I threw a survey out there online for the listeners to fill out. And it just was a way for me to kind of get to know the listeners a little bit better and and find out what it is that I can bring them that will help them to be better turkey hunters in 2017 and, of course, going forward from there. One of the things that I got a lot of feedback on was a topic that I really haven't covered a whole lot, and that was scouting and how to find turkeys on a piece of property, whether it's public land or it's private land, whatever it happens to be, but just ways to find the turkeys before the season ever starts. So they're not going out on opening morning of spring turkey season, and that's really when they're doing their scouting is when they have the shotgun in their hand for the first time. So we're going to talk about that today. But first of all, before we get rolling with it, how are you and where are you? I'm big, fat, bald, old, and ugly, and I'm out of our company. Company of Longleaf Camo and Pittman Game Calls, based out of West Point, Mississippi. If the, if the listeners hear something in the background, that's a laser engraver going on their box calls for this uh, this upcoming spring. Fantastic! And are you? We have a lot of listeners who are members of the NWTF. Are you doing box calls for the NWTF for the local banquets again this year? Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely doing that. That's a program that actually myself and three RDs, two of them from Louisiana, one of them from Mississippi many years ago, kind of came up with the idea. And uh, now I'm proud to say that there are other companies because everybody's not going to like just my calls. You know, would I like to get them all? Of course. Yeah. But there's other companies that doing that's doing the same thing. And somewhere between one and two million dollars is what my calls have raised over the past several years for a wonderful organization called the NWTF. Yeah. Well, and that's always a hot commodity at the banquet in Birmingham. And I know those calls sometimes will go for two hundred and fifty, three hundred dollars and up. So right. that's money they, that's going that's to kind the kind of local where they average at. Right. Yeah, yeah right. The, that goes to the local chapter, and then some of that money goes to national from there. And in my opinion, nothing but good things happen from that point. So I will tell you thank you as a supporter well, I appreciate of the NWTF. You very much. Yeah. 
And I, I think the people out there who are supporting organizations, too, you know, by buying the different products, whether it be my calls or other things or just the local bankers, because that's how the money's raised. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, good deal. Well, let's jump in and get rolling. You know I'm going to ask you to do the rapid-fire Q&A and run through and do these 30 questions, and there's a new time to beat. Your fastest time was, or I should say the time that you were on the show last, that you gave was 2 minutes, 53 seconds, and since then, there's an asterisk by this time, and I'll tell you why in just a second, but Pete Muller, speaking of the NWTF, who's the public relations specialist there with the NWTF, gave a time of 2 minutes and 5 seconds. I now, never said I was the fastest. In fact, I'm going to be the slowest. Well, it, it, either way, you will win the same prize that Pete won. <laughs> So, a good luck and be safe hunting this year. I love it. <laughs> uh-huh, that's right. So, let me get the stopwatch lined up here. And then, as soon as I start the first question, I will start the stopwatch and we'll run through these as quick as we can. Do you really know how hard this is for me? I can't give a simple answer. It's just that that's difficult, but we're going to try. Well, I'm going to tell you, your time of 2.53 was still faster than my time that I did when I was asked these questions, and I wrote the dang questions. So you'd think I'd be able to blow through them, but I had to stop and think because I never I wrote them and I asked them time after time after time, but I never even thought to myself, well, you know, how do I like wild turkey? So anyway, we'll we'll jump in and go with this thing, and like I said, it's just for kicks, so we're going we're going to do it and see what happens. Okay, many, ready when you are. All right. How many full body turkey mounts do you own? Three. How many turkeys did you kill last season? Seven. Diaphragm, box, pot and peg, or wing bone? Diaphragm. Wild turkey, grilled, baked, or fried? Fried. Wild turkey on the rocks, neat with cola or with water? Cola. Number of grand slams? Twenty. Make of your shotgun? Remington Express. Make of your favorite shotgun turkey shell? A uh, heavy shot. Have you ever killed a bearded hen? Yes. Have you ever killed a jake? Yes. A 10-minute successful hunt on a 2-year-old or a 4-hour long hunt on a 4-year-old with a clean miss? 4-hour hunt. Favorite camo pattern? We know that one. Long way. Wild turkey legs for dinner or for the dog? Dog. More or less than 5 strikers in your turkey vest? Yes. 30 mile per hour winds blowing at home the last day of turkey season. Are you hunting or sleeping in? Hunting. State you killed your first turkey in? Mississippi. State you killed your last turkey in? Tennessee. Sit in a blind for four hours and squeeze the trigger or run and gun for one hour and not shoot? Run and gun. Rios or Osceolas? Rios. Rios or Easterns? Easterns. Easterns or Merriams? Easterns. Public land out west or private land in the southeast? Mm, private land. Two and three quarter inch, three inch or three and a half inch shells? Three. Four, five, six or blended shot? Blended. Fields turkeys or woods turkeys? Fields. Pump or automatic? Pump. Shotgun scope, rifle sight, holographic sight, or beads? Scope. Rubber scope. boots, leather boots, or snake boots? Rubber. You roost a bird this afternoon and it's pouring rain at daylight. Do you hunt in the morning? Yep. Favorite place you've ever hunted? Home. That is 2 minutes and 25.17 seconds. Pretty dang strong. I only one question wrong. That was the number of mounts. I actually have a grand slam mounted and one mount that is has been donated to the uh, Mississippi Outdoor Hall of Fame, so I was wrong on that. Okay. So you have five then? 
uh, I have four in my possession and one that's in the museum. Yeah, okay. So do you have the World Slam? Have you killed a ghoul? No, I do not. Okay. I, I have my kill a ghoul and I have my kill an isolated. Okay, all right. So 20 Grand Slams, that's, that's strong, man. Or more. I don't know. Yeah. I really don't. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I'd have to go back to the Osceolas is what I'd have to go back to and really stop and think and count. But it's got to be at least 20, you know, 20 to 25, 26, somewhere in three there. I think the Osceola is the living believe. factor for most people anyway. It is. It is. Yeah. Well, good deal. So let's let's talk a little bit about scouting. And these questions may skip around a little bit, but I think what you're going to provide us in knowledge is going to make up for um, as as scattered as some of these may sound. But so let's say you're going to go hit a new piece of property, whether it's out of state, in your home state, a new hunting club, or somebody says, hey, Preston, I've got 500 acres over here in a farm that, that I own and nobody ever hunts it. Why don't you come hunt it? So tell me really what your first step is going to be when you're taking on the task of scouting a new property? Well, num- number one, I'm, I'm, I'm going to back up from that just a little bit, okay? okay? And then I'm going to come back to your question. Where most people really mess up from the, the standpoint of scouting is that probably 90 to 95% of all turkey hunters enjoy the great outdoors in some other way. Whether right. it be squirrel hunting, whether it be bird hunting, whether it be deer hunting, whatever it may be. So anytime I'm in the woods, and especially in the fall of the year, I'm thinking springtime. Because when the foliage is down, the foliage is dead, now you can see the lay of the land. Now you can see those barbed wire fences. You know what he's getting hung up on. Now you can see those little ditches. Now you can see those mounds. Now you can see the blowdowns that he's just on the other side of. So probably the most important part is is spend as much time as you can with the frame of mind that while you're deer hunting or squirrel hunting or whatever it may be, be thinking springtime. Right. Be remembering and burning that in your mind. But let's say a guy has given me whatever, 500 acres of land and gave me permission and I've only got three weeks before season. Then you're too late, number one. Because now everything is should be, and I think this year we're going to have an early spring, is already starting to happen. But anytime you enter the woods, enter the woods as a animal will. Become part of Mother Nature. Mm-hmm. Don't become the predator. Don't carry your buddy with you and be shooting the woods, the, shooting the bull the whole time you're walking through the woods and taking everything in. And it goes back to the basic of looking for sign, but also one of the keys, and I do mean keys to springtime hunting that I'm looking for, is where are the grasshoppers going to be in late May, June, July? Mm-hmm. because here's the reason behind that. You know how we as guys say, if mama ain't happy, there ain't nobody happy at home? <laughs> yeah. Well, mama ain't happy out there in the woods, he ain't happy either. Mama has that job that she has to find suitable nesting habitat for her poults, and one of the keys is, of course, protein. Mm-hmm. And wherever you find where protein is going to be at later in the year, that is usually some type of opening, clearing, pasture, house place, power line, pipeline, logging road, whatever it may be. You just found a potential strut zone. And check those areas out very, very closely. I go back and say, 
I don't want to walk through the woods with a steady walk. I don't want to be riding, you know, a four-wheeler through the woods. I don't want to be disturbing the woods. We're three weeks before season. We're two weeks before season. We're one week before season. Mm-hmm. And if you want me to elaborate on that even more, I'll give the guys and gals out there listening an excellent piece of advice. That is, once the turkeys start gobbling, whatever time that is, if there is a road network that is around and or either cutting through this piece of property, like a gravel road, a blacktop road, wherever it may be, go out and make the turkey gobble the first thing in the morning or before he even flies down off the roost. Do not carry a turkey call with you. Leave them at the house. Don't even leave them in the truck. You don't want to educate him. And he or she who thinks that a bird cannot be educated has never hunted South Mississippi before (laughs) or Alabama. Okay? They have heard too many pods. They have watched too much YouTube and have watched way too much TV. Uh, My hat is off to you in the way that you conduct your show. You're really out there trying to give people information, and I believe that's a rarity. But now back to the hunt, okay? All right. Let's say I take an owl hooter, or hoot like an owl. He gobbles. Bam, I'm gone. He's on the roost. I'm jumping back in my vehicle. I'm riding down the road, three, four, five hundred yards, whatever. Maybe I've already pre-scouted it a little bit, found some signs, think there ought to be some birds roosting in here. I make him gobble. Oh, God, they ain't flown down yet. I'm down the road a little bit further. Bam. I got a third uh, uh, turkey that gobbles. No turkey calls. Now what am I doing? It's time for him to be on the ground. I'm right back to number one. Now I break out my crow call. Now I'm trying to make him gobble again. Mm-hmm. Then I do it to the second one. Then I do it to the third one. Guess what I just found out? I just found out what direction potentially that bird wants to fly down into. And if I have already walked that land a little bit, and I know that there's a little logging road over there, guess where I'm going to be sitting that up in the morning? And then I've got number two bird done that way, number three bird done that way, number four, five, six, seven, however many that the particular piece of property will hold. And if I miss one up one day, I have my backup plan to go to a second bird. I at least have a good, solid guess is to know what direction that that bird has flown and is likely likely to drift towards. Yeah, and I think that's important because if people know that there's a second option on their property or a third option or a fourth option, I think it really kind of makes the hunter feel a little bit more comfortable to maybe be just a hair more aggressive on that bird, not necessarily in calling, when they go to set up and try to call that bird in, but in getting to their setup. And so, Correct. you know, if I'm hunting a 20-acre piece of property and there's one bird on it, you better believe I am not going to try to, I'm not even going to think about getting in terribly right. tight on that bird and bumping. Because right. I right. go on to work yeah, then and the work is no fun. But, you know, here, here's what a lot of people don't realize. Un- unlike the white-tailed deer, and especially in the deep south, Unless the rut's going on, you can see him one time and booger him, and you might not see him the rest of the season. He will go nocturnal on you, unless he gets to think about girlfriends a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. Well, the beauty of turkey hunting is not only is it interactive, you get to have fun, you get to enjoy, you get to call, but as long as it is daylight hours, you can spook a bird in the morning and two hours later kill him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I've got documented situations where like, one boy blew a turkey's, all of his primary wing feathers off one morning, and he came in strutting. Not gobbling, he came in strutting the next day, and I killed it. 
It's I've, something about them girlfriends. You know what I mean? You wait the whole year to have them, and that power takes over. It does. You're right. They know that their window of opportunity to breed is a narrow one, and they've got to take advantage of it, and, and they do everything they can. You know, I had something similar happen this year. A buddy of mine and I were hunting together, and we called in two birds. We were hunting an, an area of, this, of his hunting club that's basically just a cow pasture, and it's got little heads of woods that come into it in the draws, and typical southern cow pasture you know rolling rolling hill that kind of thing so we call these two birds in they come in together i called one in for him the morning before so he tells me you shoot first so of course i'm not going to tell him no so (laughs) these two birds come in and I, i asked him i said are you ready he said i'm ready i said okay i shoot and then when i shoot the second bird jump the bird that he's going to shoot at jumps five feet up in the air right as he squeezes the trigger and he misses this bird this bird takes off running down the cow pasture runs about 400 yards away we're sitting around looking at my bird and taking a few pictures and chit-chatting and you know i hate you mr bird blah 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 and he says did you hear that i said what Mm -hmm. turkey just gobbled right where that bird ran i said are you serious he said yeah i took out my box call hit it turkey gobbles i said let's go hunt him so we left my bird there went to where closer to where this other bird was sat down and 30 minutes later he shot him that bird (laughs) had just been missed just seen his buddy get killed ran off 400 yards we closed the distance 300 yards called him 100 yards across the cow pasture into the head of woods that we were in and killed him right there so he's waited the whole year oh yeah oh yeah just because you spook one doesn't mean that your day is over but if you're hunting 20 acres there's a pretty decent chance you might just go on into the office (laughs) right (laughs) yeah but yeah no i I think that's, that's another thing that you said that i think is extremely worth pointing out to the listeners as you said when you're in the woods in the fall you're looking for things like barbed wire fences trees falling over trees and any obstacle that would hang that bird up. And I think that's something a lot of people don't think about at that time of year that when they're out deer hunting or they're squirrel hunting or whatever it is, walking through the woods in the fall, take note of those things because they're extremely important. I know, and and they're missing the greatest opportunity. They really are because now you can see it all. Now you know why that bird's hung up. Now you know why he won't come in. You already have that information. So now you know whether I should hold my ground or whether I should pick up and reposition myself. Mm -hmm. Now, nothing works all the time. We all know that. But your library has just gotten tremendously so much larger with the information that you have provided for your own self. Just always think springtime, springtime, springtime. What's it going to look like? Okay, I see what it is right here. Well, there's a big old giant tree. Uh, I see uh, greenbrier growing on it. Uh, I see where there was blackberries growing up in that treetop. My God, come springtime, that's going to be an impenetrable, you know, oh, yeah. natural barrier that's laying there. Mm-hmm. So there's a little creek down there. There's a sandbar. Uh, you know, he ain't going to want to come off that creek, come off that sandbar. If I'm sitting right right here on top of this little knoll, which looks real pretty or would look real pretty in springtime, because he don't want to walk through all that crap. All right. So you're already ahead of him. You've yeah. already got to be or yeah. get I think that's great information. I mean, that that is so strong. And if somebody would put that in their book and go do it now before yeah. anything starts to, to green up or leaf up. And fortunately, yeah. I think for most of us that, that we haven't quite hit that time just yet. But you're right. We have another early spring. It won't be but two or three weeks and things are going to start to green up. 
in the south. Uh, I got I get butter, I get buttercups already blooming right now. Are you really? In my house in wow. Madison uh, Madison County. Yep, already popped the surface. Wow, that's crazy, man. <laughs> Well, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Global warming is the worst thing Al Gore ever invented. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. All right, so does your strategy in scouting, does it differ if you're hunting public land or private land or scouting public land or private land, or are you going to take the same exact approach? I'm going to take the same approach. Uh, you, you heard the approach that I like to use, which is don't disturb the woods. Yeah. Uh, and, and I might be a little more cautious, you know, if the season is open, if I'm on public ground, than I am on private ground. If the season is not open, uh, there are times, I'm fixing to get rid of you, but I can't help it. There are times that I will have a diaphragm in my mouth. Okay. And what I'm doing is I'm taking one step, looking, taking everything in, taking three steps, looking, taking everything in, scratching the leaves with my toe, purring, doing a little half yelp, no aggressive calling whatsoever. In other words, I am now a turkey mm-hmm. in the wood. Mm-hmm. Will you get caught? Yes. Can you really educate birds? If you don't spook it, and any time I make any turkey call sounds, then my left shoulder, it's my habit, my left shoulder is up against a tree. And I've got a face mask on, and I'm fully camoed up. Right. So I am a part of Mother Nature. Uh, I might even take a crow call and use and utilize a crow call. I've done all kinds of crazy crap. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the main thing is, is anytime you can blend with Mother Nature, and that goes back from the hunting aspect, the scouting aspect, whatever it may be, that you can become a part safely, I'm going to repeat that word, safely, that you can become a part of Mother Nature, then you're 10 steps ahead of everybody else, I promise you. Mm-hmm. And if everybody would use and utilize what God Almighty has given, which is two legs and a brain, and get out there and look and study some your own self. The younger group is so much further ahead of me right now till it's pathetic. We didn't have things like this going on. We didn't have YouTube. We didn't have the Internet or the Outdoor Channel or the Spartans or the Pursuit Channel. Right. We didn't have any of that kind of stuff. It was get out there and let them make a 100% horses rear end out of it, and you learn from it. Man. But I'm that is you. still, by far, the best teacher that there is in the world. You're right. getting out there your own self. Now, take your base base information that you can get from wherever and then go apply it in the woods and then use a little bit of your own brain and stop and think. Yeah. You know, I, I, I can remember the first time I went to Missouri with a bunch of guys. Yeah, you get there, you know, the day before season of it up. Everybody's riding around and you're getting out and, hey, Tom, uh, this is like a pretty good spot right here. I'm already letting know that there's a human being there. Yeah. Because I'm shooting the bull. You know what I mean? I do. Yeah. <laughs> or you got somebody walking walking down the old logging road, and the whole time they're walking at a steady pace. When does an animal walk at a steady pace? Yeah, never. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, when it's scared. Yeah. When it's upset. And then you get two of them walking side by side, you know, chewing your fat, shooting the bull, whatever you want to call it. They've already told everybody that there's a predator in the woods. Now, you're like me. You're from Alabama. We we live in the two hardest states that there are anywhere in the continental United States to be able to harvest a bird. It's real simple, though. They have been hunted longer, yeah. harder, longer consecutive seasons, some of the best woodsmen that they are out there, and by far the best outlaws that they are. 
So they're always constantly being harassed. Uh-huh. And they learn. If they don't, what happens? They die. That's right. Not that they got brains to think with, but they pass those traits down, just like even a fish can do. Yeah. I've got a buddy that says that we're doing nothing but, but breeding smarter and smarter turkeys because we're killing the stupid ones before they get a yep. chance to breed. I agree. I agree. I totally agree. I think it's hard to disagree on that one. I mean, you know, <laughs> it, it, we all evolve. You may not believe in evolution in a religious sense, but we all evolve as a species over time. Yeah. You know, I yeah. may not develop a sixth or seventh finger on each hand, but mentally, intellectually, we all evolve. And so it's survival of the fittest, no doubt. hundred percent. But that's mother nature. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So. You you mentioned that, well, you kind of told us when you start, that basically when the leaves start to drop off the trees, you're, well, I know I know you well enough to know you're always thinking about springtime, even if it's the dead of summer. But Correct. when the leaves start to drop, you're starting your scouting and you're moving forward throughout the season then. But is there really kind of a more specific time? I mean, we we know that turkeys don't start gobbling on the 1st of March every single year are, are there any indicators to you as to when birds may be gobbling that we can get out and start looking a little bit i mean what and i know that again that's going to vary depending on south florida and the um up of michigan that that time is going to vary on the calendar but what is it that we should be looking for to maybe start thinking we need to get out there and start listening all right the biologists are going to hate me <clears throat> but i believe this heart body and soul when it looks like feels like, seems like, should be spring, or spring is right here, that's when you need to go. So is there a particular day or time? No. Right. Let's come back to us right now. I've already heard turkey gobble. Have you really? I was six days ago. Oh, yeah. Wow. Uh, sitting in the deer stand, and he gobbled pretty darn good. It wasn't just one of those occasional what I call fall gobbles. Right. But he was pumped. Riddell, T-O-O of Longleaf, and Buddy was riding around two weeks ago. And saw three birds blown up in full strut uh, herding hens. Wow. It is a male. And a male is going to breed if he is given the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Mama is the boss. Now, this is a philosophy of mine. When all the signs of Mother Nature, the buttercups, the dogwoods, uh, the, 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 the red buds, and on and on and on and on and on, it starts saying it's fixing to be springtime. When that soil, this is a philosophy now, but when that soil starts warming up so that if that hen, because she builds a very makeshift nest, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not, uh, you know, it's not like a bluebird nest. But right. it, 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 when I think that whenever that ground temperature, and I think they've got a sense, because remember, that's their home, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That whenever that ground temperature reaches a certain point and stabilizes, which also means that we're right on time that whenever her pulse hatch, they'll have that protein source that she's going to start breeding. That's the reason why I said all the signs right now, and that can change. If it came in here all of a sudden and dropped down into the 20s and stayed that way for a couple of weeks, it'd shut everything down. But if it keeps going the way that it's going right now, then it will be an early breed cycle this year. Now, I tell you that, that's the old-timey ways, but I also, uh, and you, you mentioned Al Gore and global warming. This I can tell you, there is something 
going on in Mother Nature. Mm-hmm. Is that global warming, El Nino, El Nino? I don't know. I'm a high school educated person. But Mother Nature, for many years now, has not been acting the way that it used to. There was not a defined spring, summer, fall, autumn, winter. It just wasn't there. And it it has screwed everything up. Was your rut not screwy this year in Alabama? Uh, We haven't had one yet. (laughs) Uh, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess the answer is yes. (laughs) Okay. You see what I'm saying? It's not like what it used to be. Now, what's causing that? I don't know. I really don't. I don't know. But if it will stay consistent and, and, and keep this warming trend that it's having and the buttercups start blooming and the red buds start putting on, everything starts greening up, the uh, birds start singing, turkey's going to start gobbling and hens are going to start breeding. The earliest in the recent history was, and it's probably been six to eight years ago, I saw a hatch behind my house of quail-sized birds the fifth day of turkey season. You do the math. Wow. So yeah. that means that they had to be breeding late January, first part of February. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> I had a guy, a salesman at one of the local sporting goods stores here in Birmingham tell me this was April the, round about April the 10th last year. He told me that while he was turkey hunting that he saw a group of poults, just like what you said, quail size. And that was, you know, right there going into the second week of April. So, well, see, like last year, it ended up turning into we almost had two two completely different breed cycles. We had a early breed cycle. I saw that too. We had an early breed cycle, and then we had a later breed cycle. And the later breed cycle took real good, and we ended up with a pretty darn good hatch here in Mississippi. Yeah. Yeah, I think we had a pretty good one here in Alabama, too. I saw more poults this year than I have seen probably in the last five to seven years combined. So Wow, that's strong. Yeah, yeah. And then we hit, you know, eight-week period with no rain. And hopefully, you know, when the, going into the fall, hopefully they all managed to get to where there was some water. But, you know, they should have been big enough at that point in time to fly a mile if they needed to yeah. get to some so i think it'll yeah. be all right but yeah i I think last year was a good year for us in the south and i know we needed it but that's that's interesting and that that sounds about right that, that we had two distinct cycles because if i look back at my season last year it was really good the first 10 days of season and it was really good the last 10 days of season and that 20 days in between was I may as well just stayed home and, and slept because I would have heard just as much gobbling. <laughs> so, yeah, that I don't know what it was. And, and I don't think during that 20-day period the birds were hinned up. I don't think the gobblers were hinned up because I would see driving down the road, I'd see hens out in the field by themselves. Right. You know, and, and well, late it's almost It's almost like they laid a clutch and lost it and came back, even though they don't have to re-breathe. Can, can can I stick something in here that I'd like to ask your listeners to start paying more attention to? Please. Uh, it, it's a risk of maybe upsetting you a little bit. You're not going to upset me, do it. Work on the predators. Work on the coons. Work on the possums, the skunks, the coyotes, the illegally. But we have a predator problem. 
And it's something that we really, 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 as sportsmen, need to start looking at and addressing. How many coon hunters do you know? How many trappers do you know? Nobody is out there controlling the predator population. And I think it's, it's really starting to get away from us. So there's my two cents, okay? I think trapping's a lost art and a lost science as well, because I do believe it's a little bit of both, even though I will never say I'm an expert trapper. Although next week, I'm going to have an expert trapper on the show, so I'm looking forward to that. But I I don't... All right, so let me ask you something. Why do you think that's going to bother me for you to say that? (laughs) Well, just it might not bother you, but it might bother some of the listeners, because they're going, well, you're just killing the coon. Uh, just so you can kill it. That, that, that's not the reason why. I get you. The population okay. has gone absolutely ballistic. Uh, and yes, if you know somebody who can use and utilize the mink, then give it to them and let them use and utilize it. No, I ain't going to eat no skunk. I can tell you real quick. You're not going to clean <laughs> one? I'm sorry. <laughs> I have cleaned them. See, I used to trap. Okay. The, the whole game of that was was getting a 22 hollow point right in his ear before he sprayed. Oof. And that's kind of tough. If he yeah. sprayed, he didn't get skinned. Yeah. But anyway, that's, that's just a kind of a pet peeve of mine. And I know some of the commissioners here in the state of Mississippi are really making a strong drive to try to educate people that uh, we, we, need, we need to wake up and realize that even though the old book said that predation was not really a factor on turkeys uh, in their population, that is not true anymore. It's just the opposite. They well, are destroying more, more wildlife and young ponds and everything else than all the outlaws put together in Mississippi and Alabama. Oh, I agree with that 100%. They're, they are 24 hours a day, seven days a week on the hunt. And I think right. you, can, you can pick the best outlaw in Alabama or Mississippi or Arkansas or wherever they happen to be, and they're not 24-7 on the hunt. So, no. yeah, they, they no. do way more damage. And if, if the listeners will trap more, and even if you've got a predator call, and you call that coyote in or that bobcat in or fox or whatever, and you shoot it's it fine. that way. Oh golly, that's a hoot! It's it is second to turkey hunting. It's this. I have to agree with you on that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And if they'll do that, they won't just see more turkeys. They're going to see more deer and more quail, or more pheasant, or more chuckers, or whatever it is that they're going to hunt. They're going to see more of everything. Read your state rules and regulations is what I tell people. Every state's a little bit different. Yeah. Now that saying that will never upset me. I'm a stone cold killer and if you're hunting the same animal I'm hunting, <laughs> you're game. So it's a good thing and every pig. Probably good thing there's murder laws on the books because, you know, if I saw another hunter on my property it might be that might be it. <laughs> and I'm saying that in jest, so all right. I understand. Don't bring the police over here to investigate if somebody's missing. <laughs> No, I, oh, I think hey. that's that's huge, and it's it's a piece of the puzzle. And there's so much of yeah. a wild turkey's being that we can control, and we can control to some extent the number of predators. We can, you can control help on the, the predator, weather. Predators, you can help. That's right. You can help on the habitat. We can Those help are two the things you can do. That's right. And every little bit helps. I'm a firm believer. Yep. So, all right. I I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Do you stop scouting when the season starts and you've got a shotgun in your hand? Never head? stop scouting. I never stop scouting, ever. 12 months a year. Anytime I'm in the woods, 
every time I'm in the woods, every time I'm riding back roads, even just scouting from the vehicle and, and looking for birds crossing the road, strutting out in the field. Uh, no, that's nonstop. That's 12 months a year. You never stop scouting. You're always building more information, more information, more information, and more information. I used to be such a fanatic that I kept notes on everything. Mm-hmm. But I don't do that anymore, okay? Yeah. And actually, whenever I was cutting hair for a living, I had seven ladies that were marathon runners, and they never paid me for a haircut. But once a year, they brought me in notebooks uh. of where they saw, what they saw, what time, and if they could, the landowner's name. And they never paid me for a haircut. That's awesome. There's your way to, there's your way to scout right there. Yeah. And, you know, we, we were talking about the scouting, and all honesty, you know, and we, we, I know people have heard this and heard this and heard this and heard this, but they're not listening. A UPS driver, a rural school bus driver, a rural postman or postwoman, oh, God, it's a wealth of information that they have. Oh, yeah. Go buy them a ham for Christmas if it don't turkey hunt. Right. Go to a barber shop. Go to the gossip shop of the world, a hairstyling place. <laughs> now, if he or she turkey hunts, forget it. They don't lie to you. <laughs> there is right. a wealth. Of, <laughs> there's a wealth of information for quick scouting. I've literally gone into towns, been out of state, and go to the UPS terminal and bribe the drivers. Wow. That were getting off from work. And say, look, I'm hunting section so and so, or I'm hunting county so and so, uh, uh, you know, down Highway 25, you know. Buddy, you see any turkeys down through there? Well, it might take a little bribe. It might take a six pack. Mm-hmm. Oh, did I say that? I did. Uh, okay. <laughs> You'd be yeah. amazed at how much information you can find out real quick, real fast. Oh, yeah. yeah, you know, Mrs. Brown, so uh, now here's her address right here. Just tell her you know me. Because I deliver all of her packages to you, to her. And there's always turkeys strutting back there behind her field about 9 o'clock in the morning. Every morning I go by there during springtime. Guess what? I know exactly where to go. And I don't, I'm in there for three days and I'm out. You see right. what I'm trying to say? It's a quick, it's a quick way. Morning afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's awesome. So if you are hunting an area that has a lot of fields, let's say it's a cattle farm something like that, where you got these heads of woods coming through it. Are you going to try to primarily scout that piece of property from the vehicle to not bump birds? Let me tell you, good, let me tell you a good way to scout that area is climbing tree stand. Oh, yeah. That's a great idea. You know, find your tree on the edge of the pasture and spend your morning uh, jacked up a tree, you know, the day before season and see where they're coming out. Be back in there that afternoon and jack back up a tree and see where they're going out at. Now you know where they're coming in. Now you know where they're going out. That's a great idea. I never thought about that. And don't forget your shovel. Tell that story, please. <laughs> You've not told the story on the show. I heard this story. It's the first time I, I don't, I've never told you this. It's the first time I ever heard you do any kind of a talk or anything. And I heard this story and I laughed and laughed. I can't even remember where I, where I was when I heard it. But anyway, please share that story. I'll tell a short version of it, okay? All right. I, I messed with a bird for, uh, I was on the third year. Uh, he was going on private land from public land. Everybody was trying to kill this bird. He fly out into a pasture and that's where he stayed. Whenever he got hot, he picked up and flew out. 
one day there were three people surrounding the pasture. And if he took out of the field, he started getting higher and higher and higher as they tried to dust shoot him out of the air. <laughs> you ask me if a turkey can stand in one spot, uh, kind of like a marathon runner, and jump straight up in the air? He dang sure can. He does not have to run a long distance because from that day forward, he looked more like a helicopter flying up. Yeah. Uh, yep, I cut, I cackled, I did everything. I was back in the cut and run days. I did everything you could think of, and all I could do was lay there and look at it. That's before I started crawling birds. Now I would have crawled him and killed him. Mm-hmm. And I could not figure out how to kill this bird. Now, that's when I was married to my first wife. And about 2 o'clock in the morning, I stood straight up in a waterbed. Do you know what happens to your spouse <laughs> whenever you stand up in a waterbed? I think they well, get bounced off geez. the side. <laughs> That's right. So she ended up on the floor, and all I'm doing is going, I can kill him, I can kill him, I can kill him. I can't repeat exactly what my ex said to me, but it was basically leave. <laughs> so by about 3.30, quarter to 4, I'm out on that little knoll about 20 yards from where he likes to land at, digging me a hole. And I put mosquito netting on top of me and pulled the dirt back, placed a little bit, bit pieces of grass and so on and so forth. And when that B-52 bomber sit down, uh, on that little no, I called him. I went, boom, and I shot him <laughs> in the face. And I make no apologies whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> I lost way too much sleep. <laughs> I spent way too much money. <laughs> I missed too many appointments because that's back when I was cutting hair for a living. Uh-huh. And there are some birds you it's this, this is the thing that people don't realize. And coming from hunting, you know, public land and growing up hunting Camp Shelby, you know, New Augusta, Brooklyn, Beaumont, Grapevine Road, you know, all the way down to Wiggins, over to Red Creek Game Reserve Management Area. I mean, that, that's where I grew up hunting at, you know, learning how to turkey hunt. And those birds, you got to kill it as long as you're legally, ethically, and morally right. And my morals get real low during turkey season, especially way back then. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm going to kill you. Uh, Look, the the one bird that really stands out to me is the bird that, and I'm not going to tell you names because they get ticked off at me, but everybody in the world had hunted a particular bird down Highway 29, take a ride at Highway 29 in New Augusta, Mississippi, go down through the Blacktop Road right before you turn to Fire Firetowers. <laughs> if anybody has to listen, they're going to know exactly where I'm talking about that. There used to be an old gravel pit over there to the right in the Big Bay Swamp. He would gobble once or twice on the roof. He'd fly down and he'd go the other way. I will tell you this. Old Bud Myers, one of the very few turkey hunters from Brooklyn, Mississippi, told me, he, he always said this. He said, son, he said, if he ever cut your calling off the first thing in the morning, before the sun sets, if you can sit there and say sit, if you can sit there long enough, he's going to come back. He waited the whole year to meet that girlfriend. Now, if a coyote gets after him, somebody shoots at him, he says, no, that's different. If he don't get disturbed, he's coming back. I sit down on him 30 minutes before daylight. I did one soft tree call to him. I took a real turkey wing and flew down. He cut me, and he flew just as hard as he could go the other way, just like what he'd done to me for three years in a row. Mm -hmm. And everybody else down there, at 4.15, I'm still sitting that afternoon in the same spot. Mm. I had my quart mayonnaise jar of water. I had my three bologna sandwiches, and I would roll over and go to the bathroom, and i sip on my water, and at 4 o'clock, I heard a squirrel bark. And when I heard, that's when I was really starting to learn how to turkey hunt. When I heard the squirrel bark, I purred once or twice, I scratched in the leaves, and the next thing I heard was him spitting and drumming. 
he had a touch over two inch spurs and he weighed wow. 15 pounds. Wow. That, that's what these kids don't have. They right. don't have patience. Yeah. Well, it's not just the kids. It's this old fart, too, that doesn't have patience. I don't believe well, I could sit there that long. <laughs> I, I can't now with my back. You know what I mean? I've got back problems. I can't mm-hmm. do it now. But that's that's what it's about. Don't give up. You know, this is a chess game. When you meet one of the old boys, ain't worried about two-year-olds. Ain't worried about them. You're going to kill them. But sometimes they can give you fits. I ain't going to lie to you. I mean, sometimes they're, they're the ones that get out there 100 yards and gobble the food brains that won't come on in. Mm-hmm. You don't want to get his butt whooped. Uh, but them old birds has got them inch and a quarter, inch and a half, inch and five-eighths, inch and three-quarters. Well, you got to have some patience for them. There's a general set of rules. And you got to know your land. Oh, yeah. you got to scout. you got to know where everything's at. And you got to pay attention to everything that goes on in Mother Nature because it's all talking to you. Yeah. I know you and I have probably already talked about this, but look, blue jays, thrush, crows, squirrels, God, I love them. Oh, I yeah. love them because yeah. they tell me what's happening. They tell me what's going on. You know, yeah. they're looking at that turkey. Oh, something, but good chance, you know. Sure. Quit gobbling. Okay. Ten minutes has gone by. <laughs> is he coming? Is he going? Is he coming? Is he going? <laughs> Get your gun over there. Ready? He's mm-hmm. coming. Yeah. So. They are the sentries in the woods. There's no doubt. Yep. Always on the lookout. So you mentioned knowing your land being a big part of it. Are you using any kind of tools or technology to do any preseason scouting? Are you using Google Earth or Google Maps or anything I'm like that it. to help you? Nah, you what God gave me, two legs. There you go. Now, if I was smart enough, remember what I told you. I have a little thing called dyslexia. Me and computers don't get along. Mm-hmm. Me and sitting down writing don't get along. I will screw up spell check, okay? So I admire anybody who can use and utilize Google Earth or all these apps that are out there that can go ahead and show you the lay of the land, show you where the points are at, show you where the creeks are at, show you where the ditches are at. And for goodness sake, yes, use and utilize those tools. But I'm still out there walking. All right. <laughs> well, and, you know, I try to do both. I mean, that that's the thing. The data we have on Google Earth or Google Maps or wherever it is that we're pulling it up, you know, if it's topomaps.com, whatever it happens to be, the topo is generally not changing. But right. your image on Google Earth, especially in the south, where what we farm is trees for the most part, that Google Maps image or Google Earth image is very likely to change from what you're looking at on the computer screen to what you've got on the ground. And right, that right. 200 acres of hardwoods that runs along that ridge top might be gone. And so Correct. that's where the boots on the ground makes all the difference. And really, if you're if somebody's using Google Earth or Google Maps to scout, and I do highly recommend doing it, you've still, you've got to get, burn that boot leather and get, get your boots on the ground and cover some ground. And, you know, to me, I think that's, that's a huge part because it helps, it helps to connect those dots. And right. when you connect right. the dots, if you connect the dots correctly, I think that image is a wild turkey when all the dots are connected yep. on a piece of paper. I like that. I like that. So I just wish I was smart enough to, to, to use and utilize all this stuff and it's too darn old. Nah, you're this, not. This is, this is the case where you can't teach an old dog new tricks, okay? No, I ain't going to stop and take the time. That's, that's the truth, okay? <laughs> well, that may have something to do with it. <laughs> that may have something to do with it. So two other questions for you. Okay. What, in your opinion, are some of the biggest mistakes that people make when they're scouting? One, you already know. Yep. One is they do not 
enter the woods. They enter the woods as a human being. They enter the woods as a intruder. They don't enter the woods to blend in and become a part of. Two, they are dependent on all these apps and Google this and Google that and so on and so forth, and they're not putting the boot leather on the ground. Mm -hmm. Number three, leave, and I've already said this, leave the turkey calls unless that one little situation and you've got the ability to be able to refrain yourself Leave the turkey calls at home whenever you're scouting. I'd say that's going to probably be the three top things. All right. What, and you may have just answered it in the answer that you just gave me, but is there one piece of advice? If you, if somebody came up to you and said, tell me the, the one thing that I need to know when it comes to preseason scouting, one thing, one thing only, what, what would that be? It's going to be it's, 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 it's before season. The one thing mm-hmm. that is going to be preseason scouting, not okay. calling. Let, let, like let me it. tell you this: if I've got another second or two, yeah. If you have the ability that there is an older, let's say fifty years of age or so or older turkey hunter in your area that will talk to you, now that's a rarity in itself. True. A true turkey hunter ain't going to tell you crap except send you the wrong direction the wrong way. Mm-hmm. That's a real tricky thing, okay? Because as uh, Mr. Morgan, Kenny Morgan used to say, it's a one-man sport. Well, mm-hmm. we'll just say a one-person sport, you know, now. So with all that being said, if you can sit there and visit and hear some of the stories and pay attention to some of the older people that done done that, done been there, but listen to the stories, there's so much information that's in those stories that he might not be laying it out like a YouTube video would be, but he or she is giving you a world of knowledge, a world of knowledge from practical experience. If you've got the ability to be able to do that, oh, man, that's priceless, and I do mean priceless. I did have an old man that I didn't get to hunt with that much, only a couple of years because he passed away, I mentioned his name. His name was Bud Myers, mm-hmm. and he had the patience of Job. He was the old-timey type hunter that cooked and yucked a few times, and that's it. But he could sit there for three hours if he had to. But he knew where to sit at. He knew when to be there. He knew how to get there. And you put all that together, and very bluntly, he's dead. Yeah. He's going to die, or you're going to miss it. You're going to have the opportunity. Yeah, I know about missing them, so I can definitely relate to that. <laughs> so before I cut you loose for the day, because I, I know you've got a few turkey calls left to make yet before you clock out and go home, but can you share the story with us of your turkey hunt in Tennessee and tell us the one or two things on that hunt that made it a success for you when you Tennessee. the last bird you harvested? Okay. Tennessee is, and I have to be kind of generic with this, Tennessee is probably one of the, God, I hate to tell everybody this, it's one of the undiscovered states in the country right now. I agree. When you can get permission, and even on some of the public ground, it reminds me of the glory days of Missouri, okay? They are bunches of birds. They're very vocal. They have a tendency to gobble almost all day long, but they'll gobble in the afternoon too. So you have multiple opportunities to be able to harvest a bird. But on that particular bird, I had a couple of guys with me, Aaron Tippett, the country singer, and Andy Griggs. Mm-hmm. Me and Andy went in on the bird, 
We went in on the first morning and did not get positioning on him. Here again, I didn't know the land that well, okay? But I paid attention to everything that was going on. The next morning, I got positioning on the bird and went the direction that he had gone the morning before. Mm -hmm. And I was waiting on him. And I probably set up on him at 300 yards away. But I was going with all the information that I had that yesterday morning, this is the direction that the bird wanted to go. And sure enough, they both came that way. And Aaron and me both took a bird. Great. I've said numerous times that if a wild turkey gobbler will do the same thing two mornings in a row and let me learn what he does, he doesn't have to do it for three more weeks. <laughs> but the next time that he does it, he has messed up. <laughs> yep, big time. Because he's fixing to get a load of heavy shot in the face is what he's fixing to get. If I can pattern a bird, he is dead. There is zero yep. question about it. We <laughs> You'll have the opportunity. I'll have the opportunity. <laughs> there <laughs> yes, you go. Indeed. Yes, indeed. Well, Preston, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. I think this is really good for a lot of people. And, you know, your your statement about blending into the woods, it was good the first time I heard it. It's good this time I heard it, and it'll be good the next time I hear it. And I hope I get to hear it again because I think most of us, anyway, tend to forget why we're there. And if yeah. we're there to scout then that's what we need to keep our mind focused on. And if we're there to hunt, that's what we need to keep our mind focused on, even though, yes, you got to be paying attention to what's going on around you in either situation. But blending in and not sticking out like a sore thumb is huge. I mean, it, it makes key. all the difference in the world. Yeah, yeah. Preston, so what I like to do on every episode when I have a guest come on like yourself, as a way of saying thanks, I like to ask you what's going on, what's new in your world. Are there any products you want to plug? Are there any events you want to plug? Anything like that? And so I'm giving you that opportunity to tell us what what you got going on. So indulge us. Well, I always tell you like this: you know, go to the website pitmangamecalls.com or longleafcamo.com to see all of our new products and stuff. I do have something that I came out with last year, but I really didn't hit the market with it in time to do the marketing. And it's something I'm pretty proud of. It's old school. It's a trumpet call. It's one of those calls that he ain't never heard before because nobody's hardly ever using a wing bone or a trumpet on a bird. All right. Uh, I highly recommend somebody getting that and putting in their arsenal. And then probably my favorite of all calls that I have ever made is still the flap and scratch, which is nothing more than a very lightweight bag with a special material in it. I ain't telling you what the material is. So when you crunch it up, you can put your gun on top of your knee and sit there and make it sound like turkey scratching in the leaves, or you can pop it like a towel, and it sounds like, you know, a hen flying down. Mm -hmm. Those are the two items. I highly encourage everybody to come to the national convention. And yes. if they do come to the National Convention, uh, the NWTF, or National Wild Turkey Federation, please drop by my booth. I am looking for three turkey hunters this year. We'll go over everything, the cost, and so on and so forth. I'm not going to do that on the air and okay. what the package is all about. But I started a school last year, and uh, I loved it. Uh, the people who came loved it, but there's only be three guns and three guns only. So anybody interested, come by and see me at the booth at NWTF. God bless everybody out there. God bless our new president. I'm going to have to say it. God bless our troops, and I think we're in for better times. Good deal. 
I appreciate that. And do you know off the top of your head what booth number you are at NWTF? And if you don't, it's fine. No, I don't. Okay. I don't. I'm in the same That's place fine. I've always been there. Okay. So you're going to be on the, the end of one of the rows. I just can't remember which row it is, but I'll know yeah. where to find you when I get there. There you go. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Okay. Well, good deal. Well, I'll come by there. I, I want to buy one of those trumpet calls from you and get you to teach me how to work that thing. I have never learned how right. to run a trumpet call. Done. It's 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 really not that hard as long as you keep it with just some basic calling. Okay. And I sit in a lightning, thunder, downpour, up underneath a tree with my buddy in the stump hole with a ledge on top of him, mm-hmm. uh, dodging lightning and everything else. And I'm talking about wind blowing. I mean, the type of stuff that you do not need to be in the turkey woods with. And that son of a monkey never quit gobbling would not come. He had the high ground and no way we could get to him. And I broke that trumpet call out and went <laughs> and set that sucker down and 15 minutes later he got his head blown off. Wow. It's something it's on public land. It's yeah. something he had never heard before. You know, that's what it was. Yeah. That's one of those calls that to me, along with the tube call, is kind of fallen by the wayside and people don't use them anymore. I got a brand new tube call too. <laughs> well then, I'm going to pick one of those I'm up too back. and I'm going to get you to, to give me the basics. I know you can't teach me how to run a, a tube call and, you know, what I'm going to spend over there aggravating you at your booth at that amount of time, but you can give me the basics on how to work it and then it's just up to me to practice it from there and, and get it perfected. But Not a problem. Yeah, Not I want to learn I want to learn both of those and learning the tube call was one of my goals for last year and I just didn't do it. So too many things going on in the world. All right. Cool. Very cool. Good deal. Do I have 30 more seconds? You, you have as much time as you want. Okay. Well, I have a message. I always like to end any seminar or anything that I do that goes like this. Any kids that are out there, for God's sake, please stay in school. Get your education. Technology is changing and it's changing quickly. It's changing fastly and it's bypassed me. But don't forget how to build a mud pie. Mud pie is getting out and entertaining yourself on the side of an old dirt road in a mud hole and make a little sand castle or, or whatever it may be. In other words, get dirty a little bit and get away from the cell phones so much. Then also at the same time, every job is important. I don't care what it may be. I think that every kid should mandatorily half before they graduate from college, half to work for a small businessman or a small businesswoman. The garbage cans have to be empty, the commodes have to be clean, and the floors have to be swept. The doctor cannot do his or her job without a good nurse. The nurse cannot do his or her job without a good receptionist. The receptionist cannot do his or her job unless there's a janitor there sweeping, cleaning, and sterilizing everything. Now, y'all tell me what's the most important job of of all those I just named. You can't do one without the other. Get your hands dirty. Enjoy the technology, use the technology, but enjoy what God Almighty has given us, and that is his great outdoors. It's a beautiful thing, and be safe. True, true, true. Very true all the way around. Everybody's in college these days, but college is not made for everybody, and not everybody's made for college. So, you know, there's nothing absolutely zero wrong with that person who wants to go out there and be a welder or be a landscaper or be a plumber or be whatever it is. And I think what we're going to realize here in about – 20, 25 years is that the people who didn't go to college, who focused on a trade and learned a trade and learned a skill, and that's what they're doing for a living, they're going to be making more than the folks who went to college. I would not argue with that at all. So I definitely would not. Yeah. 
Man, I again, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you, and not just today, but all the other times that you've been on the show, and I appreciate the conversations that you and I have had off of the recording as well, and I just thank you. I know people enjoy listening to you, and there's always something to learn from Preston. So you have built a book of favors over on this side <laughs> of, the, of the state line, so... If I can ever well, do maybe one day we sit, sit by a tree together, okay? Let's do it. Let's definitely try to make that happen. And thank you again for coming on the show. And please come back, share some more info with us sometime in the not-too-distant future. Anytime. Always my honor and my pleasure. All right. Thanks, Preston. Goodbye. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. Preston is truly a great guy who just absolutely eats, drinks, sleeps, and breathes turkeys and turkey hunting. Preston, if you're listening to the show, thank you again. I appreciate your time and your energy and your effort for helping us all out. Okay, so that's all that I've got for you guys today. But before I turn you loose, for one whole week, I need a favor from you. If you learned one thing from today's show, then I would like to ask you to share this episode with your hunting buddies. It is so easy to share a podcast episode with your hunting buddies. It's redonkulous. So within the podcast player on your iPhone and within Player FM or any other podcast player application for your iPhone or for an Android, there is a share feature or a share button. Now, for your iPhone podcast player and for player fm that share button is in the upper right hand part of your screen click that share button choose how you want to share it you can share this episode by email by text share it on facebook or share it on twitter and share away to your hunting buddies it's just that simple it'll take you no more than 30 seconds and it will be a huge help to this show so if today's show helped you then help today's show and you never know, if one of your hunting buddies listens to this episode and learns something about preseason scouting for wild turkeys, and that hunting buddy finds a turkey, invites you to go along, you may end up with a heck of a hunt on your hand because of today's show. Share it. Help your buddies out. I greatly appreciate that. I greatly appreciate you guys tuning in to this week's episode. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Time for Squirrel Dumplings. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.